Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Glenn, what was the top story for you today? Top story today is, and this is not an endorsement, because anytime I endorse a politician, they lose. So this is definitely not an endorsement. <laughs> Number one story today, Donald Trump sweeps 2020. Oh, all right. Tell you still. Hmm. Uh, well, I was going to say Biden mania is here, oh, and I'm yay. actually pretty sincere about that right now. Okay. The, you, the, the rollout has been pretty interesting, and we have some details on that. All right. And Mr. Andrew Heaton. The city of Denver has a great opportunity to embrace freedom. Mm. Oh, How, mushroom I, man is here. I feel yep. like you practice that in the mirror several times. Every day. Just every day. <laughs> yeah. All right. A lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Ridiazone. Um, so summer's coming up. Obviously, some of you may be holding on to a couple extra pounds. Why do you look at me when you say that? I don't even understand that. Or you have from, three options like, here. I mean, Andrew is in Dallas now. He's probably gained weight. I mean, this guy over here. I mean, pfft. I, I let myself go. <laughs> I'm wearing pajamas. I'm t from here down, pajamas. Uh, in all seriousness, though. <laughs> First uh, time I've had pants on in a week and they're pajama pants. <laughs> Ridiazone is uh, it's the good molecule in olive oil called OEA that uh, boosts your metabolism and helps reduce your appetite. It's 100% natural. It doesn't have caffeine or any of those other crazy chemicals that make you, you're just walking around all the time jittering. Um, it's not that. And I use it to maintain. It works like a charm for me. Go to to ridizone.com. Use promo code TheBlaze and you can get 30% off of a three-month supply that will get you into summer looking good. Ridizone.com. Promo code TheBlaze. Which summer would I look good? How much summer of 2030. Or, or how, many, how many years <laughs> of the summer do I look good? One right. summer Do in your life you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump sweeps 2020. That's bold. Here's why. Um, have you noticed what's going on in the border? It is a full-fledged disaster. I got a call last night from uh, the head of Operation OUR and the Nazarene Fund, uh, Tim Ballard. And, and I've never heard him like this. And he said, Glenn, we've been in the jungles of Bangkok together, okay? The jungles of Thailand together. And we've seen sex trafficking nightmares, right? Yes. I'm in America. I'm calling from... Uh, uh, New Mexico, and I am seeing sex trafficking worse than I've ever seen. Okay? Oh my gosh. So I'm going down to the border. I'm going to go to three separate places this weekend with him on the border. The, the, the United States government is taking people now from the border, kids, women, and children, and they're just dumping them. They're just putting them on buses. One church in New Mexico is getting a thousand, was it a thousand? Thousand people a day. A day. Okay? What do you do with a thousand people a day? And th this is in a town of like 30,000 people. In a thousand people, you have no idea what their background is, what their no history idea. is, if they're sick with anything. So he was down there because the churches are reaching out to him going, there's something really wrong here, and we're handing children over to people we don't think are any good, but the police can't do anything. Homeland Security can't do anything. We, we, we don't feel comfortable with this. What do we do? I'm telling you, in the next 18 months, if the economy stays together and... If the conservatives will just not speak politics, just speak common sense and have heart and say, look at what's happening on the border. Look at how the abuse of these people from start to finish, 
the people of Mexico, the people of Honduras, they're running ads in Honduras. We can get you into America. They're running them on radio. So these people are being used all the way here, and then we're just forgetting about them. We're just letting them loose. This is a nightmare on every level. And the only person who has talked about it in the right way has been Donald Trump. Jim Acosta, his line, we're going to play this every day until the election. Him (laughs) saying it's not uh, it's not a crisis on the border. This is not a crisis because that's going to look like an just an absolute idiot when you play that. When you start to see what's happening and what's coming, already the border towns on the southern border of Mexico, they're already collapsing. Collapsing into total chaos. This is going to happen on our side of the border. The government needs to fund border security. We need people down doing border security. We need about 200 judges. We can do it with about 80, but send 200. Adjudicate it. Move them either in or out. Stop dumping them. This is wrong on all levels. Do you think that the average American is going to see this for what it is, though? Because if they're watching mainstream media, so who's not telling them the Fox full story? Fox is starting to show the story. Fox, nobody, CNN, nobody's watching CNN. Down another 26%. There's no one watching. I just got this stat that more people have seen our special on The Blaze than watched prime time on CNN. Okay? Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So Fox is doing it. We're going to, I'm start covering it on radio. I'm going down this weekend. We have to expose it. And if conservatives are smart, they will lead with their heart. And they will talk about the plight of these children and women. If we talk about them only as objects of distress for us, we will lose. We will lose. We can show that the policies done by the progressives hurt these people and hurt Americans here. That's what we need to do. And we need to help them. Right now, the, this, this um, church called... And the reason why they called me is because they know I raise a lot of money. And so they ask, can you get Glenn back to pay any attention? We don't have money for bottled water. We're getting a thousand people a day. We don't, this is not what we do. The main thing I took out of that was that you're going to make me listen to Jim Acosta every day. And uh, I am not. (laughs) You have to do that every day, like a cuckoo clock. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Just I'm an idiot. Weeks. Yes, I know. We should. We need to come have a conversation with the lawyers about liability for future suicides in our audience. Yeah. Uh, if we're playing that every day, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up bringing judges down there. I think that's a very good idea. The, the asylum process is really, really overwhelmed right now, uh, and uh, that's something that would bring a lot of uh, alleviating factors to the the buildup that we've got there. Where I, I don't see eye to eye with you on is I don't see Trump being a force for good in that capacity. I, I see, I think you, Glenn, are very much in favor of helping people and helping them at the border, 100%. Mm-hmm. I see Trump as just trying to keep people out and, and being well, so anti-immigrant. So hang on just a second. That's, that's, I think that's unfair because even Trump used to say, and it used to drive me nuts, <laughs> big, beautiful wall with a big, beautiful door in the middle of it. If if anyone is against immigration, I'm not on the same side. But if you are also if you are saying we have to stop this at the border, I'm willing to sit down and listen to you. And and as long as you're not a racist, 
um, have you on the same side? Because we don't know who's even here. This is so bad right now. It, it wouldn't be bad to take a pause. I'm not for one, but it wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't, you know, run and scream in hysterics if we had a pause in immigration for six months until we sorted everything out. But um, we need Ellis Island. We need three stations strategically placed, one station strategically placed. If you can make it from Guatemala, you can make it from Mexico City or, you know, Tijuana to El Paso, wherever that Ellis Island is. You get to Ellis Island. We're going to have the standards like we did in the early 1900s. We should be welcoming people. We should be welcoming people. The people who are already here that are on the border, we have to send them home as quickly as possible unless they are in real trouble. If they're in real trouble, I mean, not like because they're running for the law, but because they're, you know, targeted for some reason, they're real refugees, we'll take the refugees in, adjudicate them, send them home. Be absolutely crystal clear on the border. You want to come through, come through a board, a port of entry, period. Do it the right way. I also think, Andrew, um, an important distinction to make when we're talking about whether someone like Trump is um, in favor or not in favor of immigration is are we talking about illegal immigration or are we talking about immigration? Because I think the two get conflated and people say, well, Trump is not for immigration. I, I think you're right. However, I think in the case of Donald Trump, it's both. You do. So, so yes, with with most of the conservatives I know, huh? It might yeah. be yeah. like like for, for you guys, based on our conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think you're pro immigrant, but you're pro security, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're not mutually exclusive. I am pro legal immigration. Yeah, all day long. And I think I think most conservatives they make us better. Camp. George mm-hmm. W. Bush, hundred percent in that camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romney, uh, Donald Trump, uh, big on border security, but when it comes to legal immigration, he's also takes uh, he's taken steps or he's endorsed plans to limit legal immigration as well, which is yes. why I think he's anti immigration. Well, he does not I think appear to want no. It. I I actually think he doesn't care. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. He's got illegal immigrants working in his golf courses. We've, I mean, we've seen that. So he, he doesn't care about that. Um, I think that was really a Steve Bannon kind of mm-hmm. policy yeah. that was put in there. And Steve Bannon was anti-immigrant. Um, you know, that, that sector, that's been pushed out, thank God. Uh, so I don't think. Yeah, Steve Miller there is still there, and he's pretty. Uh, I would say I would put him in the category of wanting to. Rest- I wouldn't say anti-immigrant, but I would say more restrictive than I would want to be. They are supposedly just coming through with about thirty thousand seasonal workers that they're going to allow in, which would be the types of people that could work at Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think no I, I grew up around seasonal migrants. Yeah, no, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, sure. I think I think kind of what you're saying or to start this off with the heart though is that. There is that level of being able to talk about legal immigration, not just being something we tolerate, but but something that we encourage. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that conservatives should be on all the time. And that, like these stories, there are great stories of immigrants who come here, do it the right way, and achieve wonderful things. Tesla. And we should be focusing on that all the time. Tesla, the guy came over. He had fifty cents to his name. Mm-hmm. Fifty cents. He spent it right off the boat. I can't remember on what. He had nothing. He's walking down the street from the port and he sees somebody trying to fix an engine and they're just swearing up a storm. <laughs> and he goes into the he goes into the place. And he said, I can fix that. And the guy says, if you can fix that, I'll give you two bucks or whatever it was. Well, he works on it. And he fixes. And he said, that's fantastic. Gave him the two bucks. 
And he said, if I ever met the guy who built this damn engine, I think I'd cut his head off. And, and Tesla said, well, you shouldn't because I invented the engine. That's why I could fix it. <laughs> Holy crap. Is that real? That's true. Oh, my God. It's wow. amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's get to Biden mania when we come back. Ooh, yeah. Everyone's excited about this. It's a roller coaster ride. I just can't imagine these debates. Before we get into Biden mania, I want to thank our sponsor, realestateagentsitrust.com. You can't get through that without laughing. We got to hurry. Let me get through this as quickly as possible. You want to sell your house? Realestateagentsitrust.com. You want to buy a new house? Realestateagentsitrust.com. You don't know how to find a good realtor? Realestateagentsitrust.com. What's wrong with you? Realestateagentsitrust.com. Do it now, Stu. Biden mania. I just don't think the person who owns that company is going to be happy with that commercial. I'm just going to say it right now. No, he'll pay for it. He will? He will. Okay. Uh, Bidenmania is here. I think it's in effect. I mean, you're, you're being positive on the Trump uh, outlook, and this is more about the primary. But the you know Biden had been leading the polls for a while. Uh, he, when he announced, what happens? We talked about it at the table, uh, you know, last a couple weeks ago, right before he announced. Is this his high point of his candidacy, or is it all downhill from here, or is this the beginning of a, of a rise? And I don't know. I mean, I kind of thought maybe it could be the the high point, honestly, yeah, I, I <laughs> to, to be frank. I mean, I, I think he has a good chance of winning the nomination if he can not make big mistakes. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely the front runner, um, you know, but he's a gaff machine and this guy could screw this up at any moment. But it's hard. I, like, I am legitimately blown away at how good his polling looks since he's announced. Let, let me go through some of this. Um, so a few polls have been announced. This one starts with... Uh, uh, I think this is uh, morning. morning consult. Um, so 17 candidates out of the 22 are under 5%. So that right off the bat, wow. this is a field that does not have a lot of real contenders. O'Rourke is at 5%. Unbelievable. Uh, Buttigieg at uh, 6%. Think of that. O'Rourke, the superstar, the JFK. Yeah. Yep. Is a point behind a guy who most people couldn't even pronounce his name that, if they saw it. Right, that's true. That's amazing. Uh, Elizabeth Warren at eight percent. Bernie Sanders is next at nineteen percent, and then here's here's Joe at forty. So he's got a twenty-one point lead uh, according to Morning Consult. There's more. This is uh, CNN. Sixteen candidates again under five percent. We go through uh, Kamala Harris at five percent. Uh, O'Rourke at six percent. Buttigieg seven percent. Warren eight percent. Sanders fifteen percent. Joe Biden, 39%, a 24-point lead. Here is uh, Quinnipiac, again, showing this is all consistent. 16 per- uh, candidates, again, under 5%. Here's the roll again. O'Rourke at 5, uh, Harris at 8, Buttigieg at 10, Sanders at 11, and Warren at 12 in this one, which is the only is an outlier. That's her best-performing poll uh, I in a long time. I cannot believe Elizabeth Warren is doing as well as she is. Well, it's really this poll has really showed her higher No, but she's else. been in the, she's in the, She's yeah. in the top. We're listing time. her, right? Like, she's not in the 16 yes. candidates under yeah. 5%. But again, Joe Biden at 38%, a 26-point lead. Last one here. Uh, this is uh, uh, Harris, I believe. Uh, 17 candidates, again, under 5%. Then you have Harris at 6 You have Warren at 7%, Buttigieg at 8%, Sanders at 14%, and Joe Biden at 46 a 32-point lead. Now, these are... This guy is in a 22-candidate field, and he's clearing 40% regularly. That's not supposed to happen. Now, I know a lot. he's got great name recognition, but, I mean, he, his name was recognized in the polling before he announced, too. But this actually makes me feel better because Biden is perceived. I'm yes. not saying he is. He's perceived as a moderate. Yes. Yeah. 
So this is the Democrats going, I don't want any of this socialist garbage. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that because that was kind of my, uh, my, my, my optimistic observation from that as well. Is like, Please tell me you didn't debunk that. No, I didn't. Okay, good. I, so right now I'm going to hold on to the fact that they don't yeah. want a socialist because I think right now what the, what the typical Democratic voter sees is Sanders versus Biden, socialist versus non-socialist. Yes. And right now they're really going that other way. More, there's some people that are really informed on all the candidates and they're voting on these other ones. But I think at right now, it's only a directional vote, and right now they're, they're selecting the Biden vote, which is a good uh, – I think it's bad for Trump because I think Biden would yes. be more difficult to, to beat. I However, I think it's good for America in some way. But I wanted to give you one little flashback here. In some way. Let's look back a little bit here and look at uh, – I was like, well, I wonder what, what happened with Trump in 2015. That was going to be my question because to you. You have an answer. One of the things that happened, and it was interesting with Trump, is Trump led the polls. I mean, uh-huh. a lot. And people dismissed it, and was, and including me. I yeah. was like, this guy's not going to hold on to this. I didn't think it was going to happen. Where this, the same type of thing is happening right now with Biden. Uh, you know, he's got 46% in one of these polls. Yeah, but he'll fall down. It'll, it'll change. Well, careful, because that's what everyone thought with Donald Trump. And I wanted to see how big was Donald Trump's lead. This is back in July of 2015. And the reason I selected July, this is going to blow you away, is that uh, if I, I, in May of 2015, Donald Trump had not announced his candidacy yet. In the same point of the cycle, Trump hadn't even come down the escalator yet. That was in that was in June of 2015. Oh, so t- he finally does officially announce he's in the race. Here's what this looked like in July 2015. Eight candidates were under five percent of the vote. You had Kasich at five percent. Sounds right. Yep. Rubio <laughs> at six. Uh, Paul Rand Paul at six. Uh, Mike Huckabee at six. Oh, uh, ben Carson is at six. Then Jeb Bush was at 10 percent. Uh, Scott Walker, remember him, 13% in second place. And in first place, Donald Trump with 20. He had a seven-point lead. Joe Biden has a 30-point lead in some of these. I think Ted Cruz, by the way, had also 5%, but we had too many candidates on the screen. (laughs) Bottom line, though, here is uh, Biden's lead is far more compelling than Trump's was at this particular time. In 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 a field with even more candidates, I mean, it is, a, it is an impressive rollout. And, you know, he's got to be thrilled with the way this is un, un, uh, unfolded. And, you know, he's got past his little I smell people's hair, you know, scandal so far. He's in a good position. It's his to lose. He, he, could, he could actually just, you know, roll to this if he, if he doesn't make mistakes. What I find interesting about this is I think Joe Biden, like, I, I was bullish on Joe Biden initially, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that he has a number of foibles that he is singularly suited for. Mm. So from a policy perspective, he's basically Hillary Clinton Mm 2.0. Like he's in like the two big marks against him in my book Mm -hmm. are the war war in Iraq Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, tough on crime policy in the the 1990s, right? So all stuff that Hillary Clinton was doing, all stuff that Hillary Clinton ran on. You're thinking these are the things that separate them from other Democrats that you don't like? Uh, Yes, that's also true. However, I'm going to say from a policy position, I think he's pretty similar to Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. But add to that that... If, say, the Democrats want to bring up Russia shenanigans with mm-hmm. Trump, well, you can immediately bring up Ukraine shenanigans mm-hmm. with yeah. Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. You want to bring up grab them, grab them tapes. But that, with, plays, yeah. but that, yeah. plays, mm-hmm. that plays both ways. That inoculates both of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you can't bring up uh, uh, the Ukraine or China without somebody saying, well, what about his? Now, I think it's radically different. Yeah. But the press won't make any difference between the two. 
But it's, yeah. I, it's interesting. I think the Democrats would rather have Russia to pick at than because Republicans will try to do Ukraine. But there's a big learning process on the Ukraine thing. You know, yeah. like it's trying to get people up. That's what we were trying. To, that's why we did the show. Right. We wanted people to actually understand it. But that's a long road of trying to get people to really get on that. China's pretty I think easy. It can happen. I think it can happen, but people right now, like nobody knows about it, right? Yeah. Um, it, it takes it takes education. I, I think you were going too about the the touching tapes, yeah. right? I like mean, that's like, another great one. Want, I mean, like Trump is not a moral exemplar when it comes to ladies, right? So, however, like, at the same time, if you want to find somebody that's kind of hard to make that case, Joe Biden's a yeah, decent one to, to do that. He can't really, he, he's not sexually harassing women and that kind of thing. But at the same time, though, his boundary levels, his comfort levels are all kind of wonky jawed. So, like, he's oh, not. Yeah. He's not the guy to, to lead the charge on that. No. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think it would be dangerous at all for him, um, you know, once the lower tier people start dropping out? They're obviously all running as, you know, radicals. Mm -hmm. So you would think that those people who were voting for them would then go to Bernie. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. So I mean, the meteoric rise of Michael Bennett. Yeah, that, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> Michael, Surely that's So I wonder the if then that would give Bernie an advantage. <sighs> it could. There's so many of them. It could. And Bernie would be yeah. the only, to me, Bernie would be the only. I, I think that's true. I think it's Klobuchar. There's Hickenlooper. There's Bennett. There's uh, Delaney. There's, there's a but few the, that fall into that wing. But let's just say that. But they're he, all well behind. He, he stays the lead guy. And mm -hmm. it looks like he's going to be the next president. I think there's a lot of people that would not vote for uh, uh, Biden because of what you just said. He, he's he's Hillary Clinton. He's the same old crap. Mm -hmm. We had all of these. This is how conservatives felt the last time. We had real constitutionalists. We had real chances of getting somebody of real quality meat that we've wanted for a long time. We didn't get it. We didn't get it. We're like, we had those choices, and, and we ended up with Donald Trump. That's the way a lot of conservatives felt. And they held their nose and felt for, uh, dealt for Donald Trump. I'm not sure the socialists hold their nose for Joe Biden. Mm, great point. All right, back in a minute. Yeah, there's one poll that said, I think it was 26% of Bernie supporters said they would vote for Trump instead of All right, Andrew, you said so, there's something about mushrooms going uh -huh. on in Denver? Uh, yes, and freedom. <laughs> yes, in, you, you, didn't, Denver, you didn't say Colorado. mushrooms. Glenn said mushrooms. Yeah, he said freedom. Glenn, Glenn foresaw where I was going to go. <laughs> and in fact, it does involve mushrooms. So uh, tomorrow in the great state of Colorado, uh, people in Denver have the opportunity to vote on whether or not to decriminalize magic mushrooms. So that is to say hallucinogenic mushrooms that have psilocybin in them. Now, the, the research has been pretty bullish the last few years that psilocybin in mushrooms is good for dealing with depression, alcoholism, things like that. There's a lot of uh, good indications that it shouldn't be a Schedule One drug, but should rather be something that's a part of the pharmaceutical cornucopia we have to treat these things. But I'm going to say a deeper issue, though, is you own your body. You're a free citizen in a republic. You own your body. Your body is not corporate property of the United States. It's not entrusted to the community. The government's not your dad. It's not your chaplain. It's not your manager. You own your body. If you want to put something in it, you can. So I hope the people in Denver vote for freedom. It is a, an, an interesting point because we don't really say that to people when we're talking about, you know, process junk that we're putting in our bodies all the time. Don't you dare talk negatively about processed <laughs> I'm not saying Taco <laughs> okay. Bell, but okay. I'm just well, saying you know Taco what? Bell. Uh, you know, know, alcohol. It, it, and yeah. Yeah. it would be, they will as soon as they can regulate because of, of health Health insurance, yeah. You, you will, they will have something yes. to say about that. Um, uh, but, you know, what's crazy is when we look at things that could cure cancer, could help pain, could do all these different things. 
we won't let you try it. We won't let you try it. That's, that's nuts. I have a right to live, and I have a right to die, and I have a right to my body. The right to try uh, legislation did go through, which is does some of the things, I think. Not all of the things you're hoping for, but it does some of those things. And that was a good thing, I think, Trump and, and bipartisan nature was yeah. able to accomplish. I was, I was really happy about yeah. that. I personally, um, my uncle died from ALS, mm. and there was an experimental drug that he, you know, they wanted to take, but it hadn't cleared all of the FDA hurdles yet, and so he wasn't allowed to take it. <laughs> Especially when you're talking about a disease that, like, it's terminal. Right. You're not giving me another option here. Yeah, but Why can't I decide? We're still looking at, this would be the argument, they're still looking at uh, a reasonable system. It can get into absolute quackery quickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at Mexico. You know, I'm going to come there and I'm going to heal you with my hands and, ooh, I pulled out a chicken liver and you're healed now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that stuff does happen, Andy but you just, you have to trust that people are going to be smarter than that. Yeah. All right, overtime starts next. BlazeTV.com. Use promo code NEWS and you can get $10 off. We will see you there. And Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Before we get into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor, FreedomWorks. So, um, I don't know if any of you, probably a lot of you out there, have lost a loved one to heart disease or cancer, or maybe you know someone suffering from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. These are really horrific illnesses that are plaguing our country and killing our friends and families. But instead of helping medical researchers find cures, HHS Secretary Alex Azar is pushing a socialist regulation that will set medical innovation back decades. This is obviously unacceptable. You can go to www.freedomworks.org news and tell Secretary Azar to fix patients, not prices. If we let him allow foreign governments to dictate the price of drugs for American patients, we will see U.S.-based medical research, which obviously leads the world, come to a screeching halt. And uh, just like in socialist countries, we will see shortages of and access restrictions to vital medicines. Promising new research will be cast aside as investments in biopharmaceutical innovation dry up just like in Europe. Thankfully, FreedomWorks is leading the charge to stop this big government plot once and for all, but they cannot do it by themselves. They need your help. That is why we are asking you to go to www.freedomworks.org news and tell Secretary Azar and members of Congress to fix patients, not prices. Help FreedomWorks stop Azar's terrible regulatory price control agenda in its tracks. Again, you can go to www.freedomworks.org news and tell him to fix patients, not prices. Go there and take action right now, www.freedomworks.org news. Um, so I'm going to put you guys on the spot because we were just having a, a, a conversation before we, we went into break which led to an off-air conversation um, mm. about drugs and alcohol and personal choices. And I only caught a little bit of it, but I, where, how did this start? 
Um, well, we were talking about, I was asking about the, the Colorado law, right? Well, the, I, I think to preface, I think Lou is the only person who can tack more libertarian than me on certain issues oh, at times <laughs> yes, here I at the can. network. Yeah, and, and I've always enjoyed, I always enjoy uh, yeah. when he's able to do that. Yeah, I try, I try. No, it's, it's a, uh, we were talking about uh, Colorado oh, and okay. the magic mushrooms yeah. thing. And I asked him if he was going to decriminalize, were you for de- decriminalizing it or making it legal? Yeah. And I would, I, would, I would decriminalize and legalize all psychotropic drugs tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with things like heroin and, and things like meth, I would try and shift the, the emphasis away from a criminal issue to a medical issue. But I don't think I'd feel comfortable having heroin vending machines. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, well, uh, get mushrooms at a pharmacy, though. I'd be all in favor of that. Right. We were talking about a conversation we had with uh, Jacob Sullum, who was in here a couple of years ago now, um, who is from Reason and really smart and, and very much in favor of legalization of, 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 of everything. Um, and uh, he, because my line kind of has been with this, I think everything should be federally um, uh, legal from a, just a, uh, a constitutional mm-hmm. perspective. I just can't imagine. There's just no way, reason to believe that the, the founders had in mind, you know, federal government controlling these things. Though I think a lot of states would be able to make their own choices and many would make a lot of these things illegal. Um, the, the, the line with the level of drug uh, is, to me, um, whether it creates some sort of uh, crime-inducing behavior, right, um, and whether it's addictive. So someone can make a mistake once, get addicted to it, and then goes down this terrible road and everything kind of uh, goes, goes haywire in their life, and it's not necessarily something that they can control. So do we want to make that available to someone who might just try it once thinking that it's illegal, or th- th- excuse me, thinking that it's legal, and then they go down this really negative road that creates uh, externalities for others that are really bad? That is the sort of level where we were kind of discussing yeah. where is that line. Um, and Jacob Sullivan pointed out on the air that, you know, like even things like heroin are much less addictive than I think they are as a person who grew up in suburban Connecticut and have like has literally no understanding of the drug culture at all. Like you, you came in today and you were talking about magic mushrooms and you started listing what was in them. And I have, I've never even heard that word before, whatever you said. Like you sounded really smart to me. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Uh, so uh, I think that there's a, this is the same thing I have with Jeffy. Jeffy can always school me on all these uh, ingredients. And I'm like, wow, how do you know all that? And you don't know anything else. <laughs> Um, but uh, so we went to a, we eventually got to a libertarian thought experiment, which is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, a libertarian, as I've said before, Andrew is a libertarian, but not if it's mean. Like there's right. a certain line of meanness that that Andrew will stop at, which I respect. It's like because uh, I, I the part of me likes the libertarian argument because it's so cold. Like I, I there's something about that I, that I like. Somehow that's not surprising. Yeah, I know. It's I, it's a weird thing to admit about myself. Uh, but what, my example on libertarianism is uh, is drunk driving. We would all say drunk driving is a really bad idea. You should not do that, of course. Um, and I think most people would reflexively say, hey, like, of course it's illegal. But from a libertarian perspective, why is it illegal? The reason drunk driving is, is illegal, generally speaking, is because if you, it's not because if you drink and you drive, there's some horrible combination there. It's what you do when you're driving drunk. So when you're driving drunk, you're driving home and you crash into something, uh, and you're destroying someone's property, or you're just hurting someone or destroying their lives. It, from a libertarian perspective, if you drink, but you keep in the lines and you somehow make it home and you pull into your driveway and maybe it's a little askew when you wake up, but you never hit anyone, should that be a crime from a libertarian perspective? I think the answer to that is probably no, no yeah. right? Like, because the point is the, the thing that you're doing that is wrong, destroying property, destroying lives, that you can be charged for, but not your choice of behaviors before you commit a crime. Just simply making yourself theoretically more likely to commit a crime 
is not a crime. You're, you're talking, I think the, the terms would be post hoc and, and, pre, mm-hmm. and pre hoc mm-hmm. uh, pers- yeah. uh, prosecution, uh, which normally I would be very much in favor of post hoc. I, I think um, it, it's a great thought experiment. Yeah. Uh, uh, however, I think my response to that is that while uh, the the core that I'm coming from is going to be this classical liberal libertarian bent, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think you could deny that practically speaking there would absolutely be an increase in, in people that are damaged in automobile accidents and property that's damaged in automobile accidents. So I have to look at drunk driving and go, what, what freedom is being abrogated uh, and what, what is the practical response to this? Um, the, the freedom being abrogated is you're, you're still allowed to drive. You just have to be careful before you drink and you drive. The, the, uh, the, the impact is more death and more property damage. I, I have to look at that and go, you know, I, I, just, I, can't, I can't rationalize away. I can't, I can't only look at the philosophy of that. I have to look at the, the outcome of it as well. What about, hmm. do you feel the same way about texting and driving? Yeah. Because texting and driving, you know, it's, it's illegal in some places, mm-hmm. but... It obviously there's an increase if you look at texting and driving. There's an increase in you know yeah. uh, traffic so. related I, I, I think, accidents. So you you are in favor of that being a, a crime? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I would. This, um, is, a, this is a scary uh, you know I hate to go slippery slope on yeah, but yeah. this is I mean because this is the, the the entire disagreement I would say between these philosophies is where that line's drawn. Yeah, and it, and it's tough. Like I'll say like where where like where I swing libertarian on that kind of stuff is if you're in a car by yourself. You don't need to buckle your seatbelt. That's if you get hit. Yes. That's your business, yeah. right? You you can make. Uh, I think you can make a decent argument that a lot of the time when there are people in a, there are multiple people in a car uh, and they're not wearing seatbelts, that they're going to fly into each other and that kind of thing. So there there are other people that are in the equation. If you're if you're riding a motorcycle, you don't want to wear a helmet. I wouldn't advise it. But that's your business if you want to do it. So um, stupid. Yep. Uh, however, if you want to text and ride a motorcycle, uh, because you're you're threatening the lives of other people on the road, I think at that point I would I would stop you from doing that. I think the pure libertarian sense is to say that it, when you hurt someone is when you get charged, right? right? I mean, I know you're saying it's reactive, right. not proactive. Yeah, and I, I like I, I think there's arguments on the texting thing, and that like you know they found in a lot of the early studies in particular that people instead of uh, texting like they did before, which was like this, they now do it they down do it here, down. and then they get more accidents, yeah. uh, which of course is a problem. I mean. It doesn't necessarily, it's not really solvable, I don't think. Um, but I, I do feel like that's, it's, it's interesting. I, and, and this is why I, I consider myself to be, I, I consider myself a uh, libertarian-leaning conservative. This is how I describe myself. And I know you, you, you don't describe yourself as a, as a you know, straight-line libertarian yeah, I'd say that the noun I am is an independent, yes. maybe even a moderate, but I lean libertarian. Mm-hmm. He's a, no, you're the nice libertarian. Okay, I'll take that. Peter works the Republican you're allowed to like. I could be the libertarian you're allowed to like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll take that. I like that. Um, I, but I think there's a... Uh, what I, I tend to like libertarians more than I like uh, Republicans uh, more often than not is because they're erring on the side of less intervention. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sometimes I want libertarians, I want people that make me uncomfortable for too little government. Mm-hmm. You know, then that never happens yeah, to but me. So I was like, I always really enjoy that when somebody yeah. comes around and they're like, well, do you think we yeah. should eat less heroin? And I'm yeah. like, oh, like normally Whoa. I'm the crazy <laughs> yeah. anarchist. Now. You just outdid me, sir. Yeah, and there's just so <laughs> few people who do that. I mean, like in, in, in Washington, I mean, people like Justin Amash, but there's not there's not many that at times I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know. I think we need to do something there. That's the person I want to vote for. I want them to be constantly challenging me from that side 
And, and all we have is instead people saying, well, you should go a little bit more government control or medium amount of government control or a lot more. Mm. There's never that other side. And, and, and because it's so rare, I think it's incredibly important when we find people who are actually principled on those things. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, Pennsylvania State Rep Brian Sims, I know he was just in the news, I guess it was yesterday, for harassing an elderly woman outside of a, an abortion <laughs> clinic. Uh, oh, okay. he's really trying to make is this a guy a state himself. rep. Is that what you said? Yes. Oh, I, I've seen this video. I just thought it was some guy. Oh, no, no. Wow. He's a state rep in uh, in Pennsylvania. And so it was this whole big thing that blew up on Twitter um, because obviously people were like, you're harassing this woman for standing there. Uh, and, and calling her violent and vile. Um, and then another video surfaced, and he apparently can't pick on people his own size and decided to take on some, some teen girls. Watch. A bunch of pseudo-Christian protesters who've been out here shaming young girls for being here. Hi. And so here's the deal. I've got $100 to anybody who will identify any of these three. So we're going to donate to Planned Parenthood. I'm going to donate to Planned Parenthood. So look, a bunch of white people standing out in front of a Planned Parenthood shaming people. There's nothing Christian about what you're doing. Nothing Christian at all about what you're doing. Nothing Christian or loving or godly about what you're doing. So I've got $100 to anybody who will identify. $100. See if you got some friends out here. 100 bucks. You just, you, it, it'd be easier if you just give me your name and your address. Uh, um, Rich, come on. Rich, Rich, where are you from? Uh, Rich, what makes you think that it's your job to tell women what's right for their bodies? And the truth is, I'm not really asking because I don't care. Shame on you. I mean, what a douche. That is the Trying only word. Trying to dox teenage girls for standing outside oh. an abortion clinic and praying. And... We're supposed to believe from the mainstream media that Christianity is not under attack. This guy went on to tweet, uh, bring it, Bible bullies. You are bigots, sexist, and misogynist, and I see right through your fake morals and your broken values. I'm sorry, was he not the one who just went to four women yeah. and harassed them? So strange. And now he's calling other people sexist and misogynist. So uh, here, well, I'll make this just really uncomfortable. Oh, good. Uh, I'm, I'm pro-choice. I'm probably the only pro-choice person here. Mm -hmm. uh, but going into that, though, I appreciate the intensity of this argument because if you're pro-life, you think a child is literally being killed. I understand why people are worked up about that. If you're on the other side of the equation, you think that a, a woman is being forced to do something, it's akin to slavery. So it's, there's, there's importance to both of these. That kind of stuff, I don't think, is doing anything in terms of helping or furthering any type of, of actual argument. That's, I, I think so few pro-life, pro-choice arguments ever result in anybody changing their mind about anything anyway that sure. I, I try not to get into them at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, though, I don't see any, any benefit coming from that. And I don't see a lot of benefit coming from sort of emotional catharsis anyway. If, if the point of this is just to shout at somebody to make myself feel better, I don't think you should do it. Like there uh, are therapists for that? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I would think, one. too, take... Take the issue out for a second. I mean, because you know we all have very well developed uh, opinions on that particular topic. But I mean, just Glenn said this a million times. The, the back when Martin Luther King was doing his thing, what he used to do was put up to, to the two sides: the one side that was hateful, the other side that was. They didn't. They didn't fight back. They weren't throwing things at the at the KKK people. They were walking through with their you know arm in arm. And you look at that video. Forget the topic for a second. Which side do you want to be on? Yeah. And it's definitely not the guy with the camera. I mean, it, you're looking at this, this. The kid is like, yeah, here's my name. I'm just, you know. Again, I, I think 
the, the issue a lot of times just overwhelms all of that. But that approach is, I think, by far the much better approach. You know, you, see, you saw this in the movie we were talking about the other day, uh, the, uh, Unplanned. It was the same thing. There's some uh, pro-life uh, protesters that were dressed up as, you know, uh, the Grim Reaper. And, like, that's not going to... Like, that's not going to do anything positive for your cause. Well, yesterday, people who were thoughtful, they did do things that were positive. Yesterday, we just played the the clip of uh, all the girls who interrupted the pro-life meeting and started screaming that they had had abortions and that they were slutty. And they, I mean, yeah. And again, same thing. That's not the kind of attention that you want. Right. And want to further your cause. I think I think the American people, when given the choice between that, that those two sides, separate from whatever issue it is, are going to be like, I want to be like that person. I want to be like the person who's standing there respectfully, not the person who's just being a complete douche to get retweets because so he can make yeah, a political say, I, I think that that's it. At that point, the, the goal is not actually to win hearts and minds. The goal is to score points with my team, whatever team yeah. that is. Oh, that guy wants attention and elevation so bad. So, oh, yeah, bad. so bad. And we just gave it to him. But oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what he doesn't know is that not uh, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah, I'd love right. to see if he wins his next go around i mean it depends that, that's it's like that's bad like trying to dox teenagers yeah, that's very bad that's yeah. bad there's a new report out that there's some uh multi-millionaire uh you know worth a couple hundred million dollars who's decided it's like his goal in life to to get alexandria ocasio cortez out of office and like they're like <laughs> forming these new super PACs and stuff and like it's, a, it's some like republican and it's like it doesn't matter what you do to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from the Republican side. She's yeah. never going to lose in that district. And that's <laughs> right, probably yeah. where and, this and guy I, is. I'm right? going to argue that she's in a weird way. Like, like she's not she's not the best representative oh. of socialism. She's so a, if, she's if, a you're, gift if you're, you're going to have a standard bearer for socialism, <laughs> I'm kind of glad it's her. Yes. Yeah, she comes to the Republican Party in like a Russell Stover's box. <laughs> it's just, like, just a <laughs> gift. She might be a Ben Shapiro plant. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's possible. A possibility. It's, possi- it's yeah. not she's impossible. She's like going home like giggling, reading Hayek. Like, tomorrow, <laughs> I'll talk about modern monetary policy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see her Instagram story about... Definitely not. I promise you, no. Well, I, not because you follow her on Instagram. But yeah. it was all over Twitter. Um, she apparently, I guess you can. You lived in New York for a yeah. while, didn't you? Yeah, the six years. So, did you have a garbage disposal when you lived there? Uh, maybe in the sure. The, the, the I don't know. Traditional sink garbage yes. disposal. Yes, I think so. Okay, so I've been hearing uh, some some criticism on this. So she like talks about her bougie apartment now mm. that she lives in in D.C. And she did this Instagram story about how she was terrified of this garbage disposal because she's, she didn't know what it was and she's never had one before. And she's just one of us common folk. She had no idea. And it makes this sound. And why is it yelling at her? And it's just like, I want to believe that she's being truthful. Because I did hear that. Is she trying to be cute? No, she was being serious. Oh, this was legitimate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've been reading different, you know, different people who are in New York. Like, yeah, that's not true. We all have garbage. (laughs) We we don't or we don't have uh, in New York our own laundry machines. That was just like as a side note. When I moved to Texas and I got my own laundry machine and my Mm. own dryer, like the first week I washed one sock at a time. Like a French king. (laughs) It was great. They call them a washer and dryer, not laundry machine and dryer. The laundry (laughs) machine, the drying machine. Uh, I'm good at humaning. <laughs> uh, yesterday's poll, what is your favorite Trump nickname? 
Lizzie Warren won with 49% oh. Pocahontas. Although I will say, I, I take issue with that because I, it should be Focahontas. Yeah. The whole point is yeah. that it's fake. Right. You can't call her Pocahontas because she's not actually Native yes. American. It's got to be Focahontas. I'd just like to point that out. Again, this is a very controversial viewpoint on conservative media, but he's actually not good at doing nicknames at all. He's actually terrible. All of them are awful. Like, Lion Ted because he lies. Like, that's just saying what you think he does. That's not a nickname. You're just saying the thing he does in front of his name. Little Marco. Yeah, he's shorter than you. That's not a great <laughs> observation. Oh, my God. So, I have to swing for Trump. I'm going to. Oh, God. Oh my God. 30, what? Well, I'm going to say, like, I uh, do not like him nor his nicknaming <laughs> yes. at all. Yes. However, I think that the, the goal is not to come up with, like, a cool frat nickname. No. The, the goal is to make the person diminutive, and he's pretty good at that. He it is sticks. good at that. It's, it's, it's worked at some level as, as a political tactic, but, like, this idea that, like, he, when he comes up with a nickname, it's like a Beyonce CD release <laughs> is, like, a little ridiculous. Like, yes. It's, it's like, all right, I, we know what he's doing. And it's like, I, are we all... Are we all so dumb that we're just going to sit back and go, oh, now he's lying Ted because he li-. like yes. j- how about just analyzing what they're saying and oh, yeah. the policies? 100%. It just never happens. Thirty percent. Thirty seven percent. I'm sorry. I said crooked Hillary. Uh, and there's a tie between Sleepy Joe and Crazy Bernie at seven percent. I would oh. like Sleepy Joe sucks. Sucks. Uh, it sucks. sucks. What about Creepy Joe? Creepy Joe's better. Creepy Joe's way better than that. I wanted him to go with Sweaty Beto. That was the one I wanted. <laughs> sweaty Beto would have been good. Some people are saying Sweto. He doesn't have to talk about Beto because he's... He, right now, he doesn't He doesn't need a nickname for Beto yet. Uh, but when he gets on stage and he's sweating... I'm sorry, Robert Francis. Right. I was told fun. in my ear we were... Or Bob Frank. Yes, Either Bob, one. Bobby Frankie, even. That's fine with me. <laughs> All right. Today's poll, who is a bigger threat to Trump, Bernie or Biden? Let us know I what mean, you think. Biden. As Biden. Yeah. Biden I, there's but no question. To the country? Uh, Bernie. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's true. 100%. Well, this is to Trump, but like, yes, obviously. Yeah, and I think that that's the there's a thing going on right now where there's a story today about how Republicans are praying for for Bernie to be the candidate because they think they can beat him. <laughs> Similarly, uh, Democrats voted really wanted Donald Trump to run because they knew they could beat him, yeah. and that yeah. didn't work. And like losing. You know, I'd, in a lot of ways, I'd rather have it be Biden because, you know what, Biden's not that great. If Trump can't freaking beat Joe Biden, then that's his own fault. Um, but I, the idea that he, if something, some event happens out of control and somehow Bernie Sanders becomes president of the United States and they, they'll, they'll kill that filibuster in five seconds and we will have, uh, that, that's, that's, that's the scariest possibility to me. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. And we will see you guys tomorrow. <clears throat> How long was our overtime today? Did we go long enough? Uh, yeah. We went 1945. That's a whole other show. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.